Hello, this is Lori Power, and welcome to Talking Saints. I'm here today with my co-host, Pete Sanchez, reporter for the Catholic Star-Herald. How are you doing today, Pete? I'm doing great, Lori. How are you? I'm good. Good. Excited to talk about St. Rita today. St. Rita of Cassia. St. Rita of Cassia, Am I saying that yes. right? It's not Cassia? Ka- or Cassian? I don't know. I've heard both, so. Oh, okay. Well, she, yeah, she was, um, it's uh, really, there's a shrine over here. Well, we'll talk a yes, bit more about we'll the shrine there. to her in Philadelphia, close by. Uh, Have you been there, Pete? I've been there once, and it's beautiful because uh, for those, St. Rita was born in the 4th century, 1381, and she was an Italian widow and Augustinian nun. And she she has an interesting story, Lori, doesn't she? Absolutely. What can we... we... Well, for starters, she was an only child, and she was given the name Margarita. And in their local dialect, um, her name meant Pearl. But she simply yeah. became known as Rita. But that seems an appropriate appropriate name for her. She'd become a pearl of, of Christ, certainly. So yeah. she was baptized in the Church of St. Augustine. Um, and St. Augustine became one of her patron saints uh, throughout her life. Yeah. And she also got to know the Augustinian nuns of the St. Mary Magdalene Monastery, which was there. And she was really attracted to their way of life. Um, but her parents actually arranged a marriage for her just to um, provide for her, for her security and her safety. So while she was drawn to uh, religious life, she did marry uh, Paolo Mancini um, when she was quite young. So, And I think you had a little bit of information about him. He had sort of a uh, sordid life yeah. himself. <laughs> yeah, it seemed it, it, we were talking about this before, you know, prepping for this, Lauren, and the thing I kept thinking of, it's it's, it's very much, uh, I don't know if I can say Shakespearean, the, the Italian in terms of the family. Yes, the families I've... were warring with each other, mm-hmm. and with uh, the political climate, uh, that, that was... Uh, that was par for the course back then, the Warren families. And uh, for 18 years, St. Rita, uh, he was uh, he was unfaithful to her. He insulted her. Uh, he was notorious in the neighborhood. He wasn't particularly a nice guy. Um, they had two children. Uh, they were seemingly both like their father. Uh, but uh, as the good, you mentioned the Pearl of Christ. She prayed for them uh, unceasingly. And... Uh, Luckily, her husband uh, eventually came uh, and asked for forgiveness and from her. And but unfortunately, I mean, it's in a, in a way it was good that he did that because he soon passed away, kind of a suspicious manner. And okay. his two sons, their two sons, Paolo and Rita's sons, they wanted to avenge their father's honor. They were ready to kill. It's best. I don't. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, They were ready for. They were ready to. uh, They wanted to avenge their father's death. And uh, luckily, though, I mean, she kept praying for them, and and it kind of was like the wild, wild west. Yeah. And And I think even um, Paolo's family was encouraging uh, the sons to avenge that death. So she was sort of the one sole voice. Um, I think I read one story where she would point out the crucifix to the boys in the home and say. Jesus forgave the people who did this to him, and that's the same way we need to forgive the people wow. who killed your father. Um, so she, yes, she was she was faithful um, in trying to steer them away from revenge. Yeah. This wasn't the only time where really she was a peacemaker. 
uh, with this instance, she, her sons, uh, actually, they, they passed away before they contracted an illness. That's right. And, that's right. and in some they, places, I read that she almost prayed for that. She prayed that God would take them rather than them commit yeah. this awful crime and this serious sin. Um, so that was kind of an example of how the saints really understand the gravity of the spiritual life to the point that physical death um, would be preferable to spiritual death in her eyes. So, um, or in truth, that that is the case. So she um, could find some solace in that, that they did not commit murder, um, yeah. but even though she lost them, you know, in this life. Yeah, she she wanted something better for them. Absolutely. And that's what, I mean, yeah. and isn't that, you know, you sacrifice, uh, she was a, I mean, parents make a lot of sacrifices, and right. it, that's what she wanted. And then soon after that, she wanted to enter the, she was left a widow and childless, yes. and she tried to enter the Augustinian convent again, and it was denied because she wasn't a virgin. That was what, in three times she tried, it was almost like, I don't know that that was the only reason because no, um, they were also concerned them, yeah. about the, the warring families and there were apparently nuns in the community that were part of families that her husband's family had been uh, at odds with. So they were concerned that they'd be bringing that hostility into the convent perhaps. So that was part of it. Yeah. Even though she publicly forget, forgave the person who killed her husband, um, that still wasn't enough. There was a concern about keeping peace within the convent itself. So. And that's still, it's so uh, interesting that even in those times, even in the convent, there would be those. Not so much the nuns themselves, but maybe the families, it would cause cause issues. Yeah. So, And then as as her, and she actually was inspired by three patron saints. Uh, yes. St. Augustine, Saint, who we mentioned, St. Nicholas of Tolentine, and John the Baptist. And she... Uh, she talked to the families and she was able to broker peace between them. That's right. Which, uh, and then she, the, the two families exchanged a peace embrace and signed a written agreement, which is interesting. So she actually got them together and, and they chatted it out and they put it down to paper. I guess they'd stop. And that vendetta. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's (laughs) perhaps miraculous in itself. I was going to say that was probably one of her first, Miracles, and right, maybe yeah. she truly lived out that beatitude. Uh, yeah. Blessed are the peacemakers. So. She really, and it's such a model for our own lives with that. And and so she entered because of that. She was able to enter the convent, and uh, she she cared she cared deeply for her religious. She lived out that life and illness and charity, and uh, converted souls too Absolutely. during that time and. The thing it's at the age of thirty six too. This was when she was accepted. She was thirty six years old, so she was uh, she had already lived. Uh, I mean, she's still pretty young. Absolutely, yeah. She and lived a full life by the time she was thirty six. Yeah, that's and, amazing. Wife, widow, mother, <laughs> lost her sons. There's, yeah, that's a lot that she experienced even before the age of forty. So. It's amazing how things can. You know, how God directs us in those, you know, she had already lived and, and then another one was unfolding for her. That's true. And then 40 years after she, uh, after she was following the rule of uh, St. Augustine, uh, she 
it's, it's yeah, Lori, just share this experience that she had from the Blessed Sacrament. She... Sure. So I believe she was praying. It was Good Friday um, yeah. and praying in front of the Blessed Sacrament. And she really wanted to share um, both the physical and the spiritual pain that Christ willingly embraced, that he suffered, particularly on Good Friday. Um, and he actually allowed her to share in that. Um, she actually had a thorn um, pierce her forehead, just a, a single thorn from the crown of thorns. And that wound um, remained open and was visible for until the day she died. So for 15 years after that, she you could actually see. And of course, she had the pain of that um, wound from the thorn. I mean, what courage forehead. to be able to... I don't know, like I ask God to, in in my own life, Lori, I ask God about my, you know, your will be done, Lord, but I have too many times I'm scared of suffering, mm-hmm. and for her to willingly want it is one thing, but then to get it at 70-something years old, and it's it's amazing, that courage and that humility that love she wanted to in some way you know the lord wants to carry our cross Mm -hmm. but she wanted to carry the lord's cross and uh, i mean god bless her i mean oh he did (laughs) she did she really i mean (laughs) but it's it's striking and i pray that i have that something you see i think a lot with the saints um they want to be conformed to christ and he was the one who suffered. Um, yeah. So. Well, not serenely. only, you know, you talk about embracing your cross, but like I said, to be able to take some of that cross that Jesus had and the, the thorn, the physical thorn that Jesus had uh, to be united in him, uh, that spiritual intimacy. It, um, and even it, it was, she was there till she died for, mm. I think, the next 15, 15 years. years. Yes. And it was open and it was visible. And I believe there's a story, Lori, that she uh, had her whole life. But then I think she wanted to go on a pilgrimage to Rome with her sisters. And she prayed and it disappeared. So she oh. could go to Rome wow. and go on pilgrimage with her community um, because in, she wanted to step out in public. Uh, normally with the thorn. Interesting. Okay. And wow. But then when she came back to the convent after the pilgrimage, it reappeared. So there was kind of that, um, I guess God gave her that grace. And it said she, we hear about this with a lot of saints or some, uh, with their lives, she didn't sleep on anything but rough straw. Mm. Uh, that's tough with our conformed lives today. <laughs> you know, right. imagine... Uh, I don't that that is uh she really embraced the uh the hard uh, hardship of she wants she sacrificed. She, yeah, doing penance. That's Yeah, um, that's it. and souls. she um and she died May 22nd, 1457. Yeah, there's an interesting story before she died. So she did become um progressively weaker uh towards the end of her life. And she had a relative uh, that visited her in the convent and asked, uh, you know, is there anything I can do for you? And initially she said no. um, But then she made a simple request to have a rose from the garden of her family home brought to her in the convent. 
Now, this was in January, apparently, when this woman was visiting. So it was the dead of winter in the place where her family garden would have been. Um, but the relative did return home and, and did go to the family garden and was astonished to find a single fresh red rose in the snow in the garden, which she, of course, immediately plucked and brought back to Rita. Um, so sort of her... Uh, assurance that that christ was was with her and um that perhaps she was approaching you know eternal life very shortly thereafter so you know all these instances of god coming into god's supernatural coming into her life breaking through absolutely is uh, and she it's amazing too Lori. her body since she passed away her body's remained incorrupt Yes. And but even before that, that we have, you and I were talking about the story about the carpenter. He built mm-hmm. a simple coffin. He, he, uh, he actually had been paralyzed by a stroke, so he couldn't do much. Uh, you know, he was talking about the the nun in Cassia, and he said uh, he loved her, and he said he expressed openly, "If only I were well, I would have prepared a place more worthy of you," and. At that instant, he was healed of infirmity and giving him the strength to uh, finish the casket. And he made it more elaborate and detailed for her. And the coffin held her for several centuries. And Well, interestingly, that coffin, um, she was never buried in it because they soon, as you said, discovered that her body um, was incorrupt. So um, she was left for, I think, maybe in a glass coffin or, or something that was visible to people. Um, uh, and it's still today, she's in a, glo- a glass enclosed coffin. So he was able to make that beautiful coffin, but she was never actually buried in it, which is interesting. Oh, so, okay. <laughs> that, well, that's amazing that that's been able to stand up too. Yeah, That coffin with centuries. And I guess that, that would be considered her first miracle with healing. Yes, healing. After with his her healing, yeah. And. That's just another. This was back in 1457, so it's been quite a quite like 600 something years. And she uh, really just a model of prayer, and 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 of course we celebrate her feast day on uh, May 22nd, as you said, the day she died, Um, and that's a huge celebration over at the shrine in Philadelphia. Um, A couple years ago, I did get to go over, and the entire church is covered in roses. It's gorgeous. So oh, probably gosh. because of that miraculous rose <laughs> event. Yeah. Um, and many people, you can Beautiful. purchase roses and have them blessed and then take them home with you. So, And that is day. on Broad Street, right? I in believe Philly? so, yeah. yes. So if you're in Philadelphia, uh, just Google St. Rita Cassia Shrine. And they actually have an upper shrine and a lower church, I think, too. Yes, yes. And so. they will give tours, I think, if you arrange it in advance. Oh, that's... Um, um, but it's, it's open. You can just walk in, I think, right? Yes, or? typically. Uh, I mean, especially around mass times. I don't know if they leave yeah. it open all the time. But, yeah, you can. I think they have a website, so the hours would certainly be on there. Yeah, we, um, and I, I, it's amazing, Lori. These lives of these saints, they live, I mean, I, I think I can think of my life sometimes as a straight line from birth to death. Like, hopefully my death is not for a while. I never know, though. God, I walk with God. But seems like she lived two lives from time she was born to 36 years old where she you know she, but she always had that desire for god 
Absolutely. Yeah. And she won it in their convent. And then circumstances, she made the best of them. I mean, she loved her family. Absolutely. She prayed for yeah. them. She uh, brokered peace, you know, being that peacemaker. Absolutely. And then she went into the convent, the Augustinian convent, and she did the work of the Lord there, still continuing in prayer and united herself more closely to God. Absolutely. With the and I think it shows that um, like God won't, wouldn't put a desire in our hearts that won't be fulfilled. So she desired religious life from a very young age. Um, and that didn't seem to be what her life was going to entail. But ultimately, um, God fulfilled that desire. Yeah. Well, Lori, I think, uh, can you say, can you say anything more about St. Rita? Well, she's an incredible patron. Um, yes. Impossible. Model for, of impossible causes, yeah. I think, is desperate one of her causes. desperate causes. So if anyone is feeling so, uh, in a desperate situation right now, you can call out to St. Rita. Yes. And I do have a prayer that we can close it with, um, asking Beautiful. for her intercession. Okay. Heavenly Father, in your infinite love and mercy, you heed the prayer of your beloved servant, Rita. You graciously grant favors through her intercession, which are considered impossible to human skill and effort. Relying on her compassionate love, we ask you to assist us in our trials and difficulties. Let unbelievers know that you are the helper of the humble, the defender of the weak, and the strength of those who trust in you. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. St. Rita, pray, pray for, for us. us.